This is Brooke Fredrickson, one of your co-hosts. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to make an announcement that this episode will be the final episode of the Eat With Grace podcast. Uh, It's been a great two and a half years. We've put out 120 episodes of all kinds of content that we hope has been beneficial and edifying for you. And so we just hope that going forward that you can continue to recommend it to friends and continue to go back and listen to the episodes that are going to remain available. Uh, It's been such a blessing for us to do this. And we just thank you so much for listening. We thank our audience Um, our regular listeners especially for supporting us through this and we just um, we thank you we thank you we thank you we thank you and so with that going forward if you need to get a hold of myself or of Jackie um, our contact information will be in the show notes so you can find us at our websites uh, and you can you know hopefully this won't be the last you hear of us Uh, and the best way to to find that is you know follow follow me on my website or my social media or find Jackie on her website and social media. So again, we thank you so much for listening and enjoy the episode. You're listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Jackie Neinheis, registered dietitian and professor of culinary medicine. And I am your co-host, Brooke Fredrickson, registered dietitian and certified diabetes care and education specialist. And we are here to challenge a culture around food and nutrition from a biblical perspective. It's great to have our listeners here and it's great to be with Brooke. I always find these conversations really uplift me and encourage me and help me think through what it means to eat with grace. Uh, One of the things that um, comes to mind is orthorexia. And I, I find this something that we didn't have to deal with a few decades ago, at least not very often, but it's actually more and more common. So tell us a little bit about this, Brooke, and why does it seem to be uh, happening at an incredible rate right now? Orthorexia is a term that was coined by a, I believe it was a psychologist who works in eating disorders. And so it's not an official eating disorder diagnosis, but it is a term that is used in the eating disorder community a lot. And what it is, is it's describing a person who is obsessed with healthy eating. So they might not meet the criteria of anorexia, you know, to the point where they're like, they're losing too much weight and and emaciating their body. Um, They don't fit into bulimia because they're not purging per se, but they are, they, they have created this, um, this rigid eating pattern around healthy eating where they are scared to eat things that are maybe that they would consider unhealthy or that wouldn't fit into their eating patterns. So there is the anxiety piece. There's the rigidity piece that kind of makes it fall in line with other eating disorder type behaviors. And so The reason I believe that orthorexia is on the rise is again, due to diet culture that we just, we just got done talking about the, the messaging from um, food companies the messaging from diet programs out there, all of this with this obsession of 
um, you know, weight loss uh, has kind of driven people into these crazy eating patterns. Now, orthorexia might not have a lot to do with weight loss. The motivation behind it might have nothing to do with weight loss. It might be health. But because of its obsessive nature, um, a lot of times it does result in some kind of, I would say it results in some kind of weight change just because people are so rigid in what they are eat and, and what they're eating. And then the, their food choices are so limited that it does result in some kind of weight loss. And so, um, yeah, that's a, that's a general overview of it. Jackie, do you have anything to add to that? You know, I think that um, orthorexia can be one of those things that can be very divisive. Like on one end of it, you could have a proponent talking about um, maybe things that are good. And on the other end are talking about things where you go too far and the pendulum swings too far and you're into a really, really scary area for some people. Like mm -hmm. some people may never move into that, but then the next person with the exact same uh, information from say a website would move into disordered eating and orthorexia. Yeah. So I yeah. think we have to really think about what some of these words are, or what some of these things are that can create issues like that. And one of those, just, just pulling one out of a hat might be the idea of clean eating. I have nothing against clean eating. I mean, I think that it's, it's good that our, our food be, um, I love planting a garden and eating produce from my garden and, and doing all these kind of, um, you know, baking things myself, et cetera. But just even the term clean, clean eating, it kind of brings up an image that, that other kind of eating isn't clean and it's, it's going to harm me. And it's a phrase that can open the door to this orthorexia. So I think that, um, we really have to look at the terms we're using. And I would say the opposite of orthorexia, I mean, in some ways could be eating with grace. And if I was going to work with a patient who was dealing with this and trying to help them move away from this kind of disordered eating, I would definitely be talking about what does it mean to eat with grace and what kind of things can come from changing our mindset from the absolutes and the anxiety that are brought on by orthorexia and moving into a different kind of eating? Like I think of the Bible talking about a peace that passes all understanding. That is definitely not found when a person or myself or someone is engaged in disordered eating. But as we move away from it, we start to find the peace. Right. And it's really hard to describe exactly what that peace is, but it is described so well in the Bible. And you read it and you say, oh, that's what I'm looking for. Right. Well, and with orthorexia, I think, you know, because it does fall in line with a lot of the characteristics of other eating disorders, you know, like I, I consider it a disordered eating pattern. I've, I've dealt with clients that have, I would say, fall into that category of orthorexia, um, right? They don't have peace. 
they don't have that. They're, they're very type A personalities. They're wound tight. They're, they're, um, they're gripped so tightly on the way that they're eating and the choices that they're making that they have no peace in their life because they're just so stressed out and anxious about everything that they put into their bodies that they don't have the ability to just kind of relax, right? They don't have the ability to just fall into that grace um, and to understand that, you know, it, there, there's no one food that is going to destroy our health. There's no one meal or bad day of eating that is going to destroy our health. It is our patterns long-term. And we have to be able to be flexible. We have to be able to, to find that gray area in our eating uh, and I think in order to have that piece, because it's just, it's, it's no fun to function in a way that is so rigid that you, you can't eat out or you can't, you know, go over to a friend's house or that you can't enjoy potlucks at church, or you can't do any of these things because of your, I would say, distorted, maybe, maybe lie, maybe even a lie that you're believing that you have to eat this way in order to be healthy because you don't. Yes. For the most part, you can eat healthy in order to improve your health, but there has to be, we have to be able to let some of those things go. And we have to be able to, um, to do it in a way that doesn't cause fear and anxiety and just like completely throw us over the edge when that happens, because right, we, we will never have peace if we do that, if that's the way that we live. And um, eating disorders, they really do allow for no room for flexibility or fun in the foods that we choose. And if you're starting to feel like guilt, shame, uh, judgment about different foods, you know, that is an indication you probably need to seek some help, need to seek a dietitian who can talk with you um, individually to kind of work through these kind of things. And you do not have to have a term attached to whatever it is you have. Right. Um, I had someone ask me the other day, well, do you think I have an eating disorder? And, you know, that is a loaded question because it has such negativity associated with it. But I think in our culture today, it's so easy to cross that line into disordered eating. Yeah. Well, and I, I think disordered eating in itself is like a separate category from eating disorder. When I, when I say the words eating disorder, like I think clinical diagnoses that, that doctors have to use to get insurance, like there are specific diagnoses that have these criteria that have to be met. Um, before you get to that point, I think there is a whole huge, you know, there's a plethora of disordered eating patterns that I see people engaging in all the time. And I would say anyone who's chronically dieting or weight cycling falls into disordered eating um, patterns. If you're restricting, that can be disordered eating. Honestly, I think a lot of intermittent fasting these days can be put into disordered eating because it's unnatural, um, it's restrictive, uh, it's actually causing more stress. And so like, when our body doesn't get regular meals, when it doesn't get regular nourishment, it actually causes stress inside of our body. It raises our cortisol levels, which then can diminish our, you know, our ability to self-regulate food. It can mess with our hormones. It can in interrupt our sleep. Like it just, it throws our whole body out of whack. And so all of those things, like when we talk about disordered eating, there's so many things that can fit into that because I think, you know, disordered eating patterns are way, way, way more common 
than actual eating disorders are, but most people don't fall into those clinical diagnoses, right? So they don't think they have a problem because they don't have those things. But it, again, I think a huge part of our society does fall within that disordered eating pattern. Yes, and, and it's so easy to, um, to fall into because of our food environments, our mm -hmm. food environment, just, um, you know, so much of the information that we get out there, it might sound like good information and it might be good information on the surface, but getting into it too deep causes this disordered eating, which is like one step away from eating disorders. Yeah. Right. And there's nothing wrong with healthy eating. And I think, you know, a lot of the people that I work with that I would say are orthorexic, um, you know, they, they have, they eat very well, like they have very nourishing diets. So it's not the food itself. And I know Jackie, you've mentioned this in the past, like a lot of times the issue is not the food. It's not the food. It's not the food choices you're making. It's your mentality or your attitude or your motivation behind it, right? So eating those, those healthy nourishing foods, there's nothing wrong with that. But again, if it's causing you stress to eat that much or to eat that way, if it's causing you anxiety, if it's causing you social isolation, that is not healthy either. And so we want, again, take a step back and say, okay, these things are nourishing to your body, but we're looking at your overall health and well-being. And is eating this way actually helping you or is it harming you in some way? Because we do want to find that balance where, where all of those things are beneficial. And that's where, you know, eating with grace comes in. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about things that come from changing from a disordered way of eating to one that is more filled with eating with grace. And we talked about the peace that I think definitely comes from that, you know, but another one is um, a prayer time. At least for me personally, it's hard for me to have a prayer time when I'm really anxious, when I'm, uh, I don't have peace. I mean, we should pray for peace, but it's also hard when I don't have peace to pray. And so I think that eating with grace, if that is a huge problem in my life that I don't have, I really need to find ways to move towards grace in everything in my life. It might include the way I exercise. It might include the relationships I have. It might include all different areas of my life where Jesus in the Bible talks about grace. And so I think of a friend gave me an, uh, different scriptures of how to use scripture to pray. And when I'm anxious and I don't have that peace that passes all understanding, sometimes I need some scriptures that I could just go to and read them as prayer. And then as I start to feel God's grace for me, then it's a little bit easier to do things like eating with grace. I don't know if this is making any sense, but I think of, of when my life is the most messed up, 
I have the hardest time praying, but it's when I need to pray the most. Hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, relating it back to, to food and, and control and orthorexia, I think anytime we try to be self-sufficient and do everything on our own and have ultimate control over things, like whether it's our health or whatever it is, um, I do think that tendency to hold on to that with a tight grip does make it harder for us to um, be in right relationship with Jesus because we need to, you know, we need to know that God is ultimately in control. He is in control and we need to trust that. We need to have faith in that. But when we take that away and we, we put it on ourselves and think that we can control everything and that we can do everything right and then we will get the outcomes that we want. Um, I think, again, that in itself separates us from God and separates us from his, you know, from his will for our lives in that moment. And I think I know for myself, if I get into a pattern of self-sufficiency and independence and try to do things without him and without relying on him, I 100% agree that it's, it's harder for me to pray. It's harder for me to be alone with him because, again, I have this sin in my life that is separating me from him that I need to surrender um, in order to get back into right relationship. I liked when you used the term holding on to it tight, because that idea to me is almost the opposite of grace. Mm-hmm. Grace a lot of times is letting go and trusting and you know believing that God has a plan for our life and it is going to work out to his glory. Mm-hmm. rather than holding absolutely anything too tight and anything that I hold tightly actually becomes an idol. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. It does. And I think that's again, where this orthorexia is, it's an idol. It's this worship of healthy food, thinking that if I eat this way and I do this, I'm going to obtain perfect health and I will have no worries. Right. Um, but it's a lie. It's a lie from Satan. We, Yes. <laughs> Um, healthy food is good and nourishing food is good, but when we make it a God, it becomes not good. So we need to make sure that we're not elevating it to that point of idolatry. What are some other things as far as uh, eating with grace go? Um, I mean, it's the name of our podcast. It's it's something that I, I hope we portray a lot as we talk through this. It's kind of the the avoiding the extremes coming back in the middle, but we talked about prayer. We talked about peace. Is there anything else about eating with grace, Jackie, that you'd like to share? Um, there are so many things that eating with grace means to me. And I just see it as um, looking at if my table is full of the people I love around me. And I can sit there and just enjoy the relationships with them instead of a focus on what I can eat or can't eat, those kind of things. That That is a, a very good indication that we're all sitting there eating with grace. And I can tell you things that keep us from that point. One of those, a saying that we often hear is, you are what you eat. And that belief um, that that shapes who we are is the opposite of eating with grace. While um, our soul is needs spiritual food, 
we need that even more than we need the physical food. And when we focus on that physical food, we're not eating with grace. We're well, and I was just going to say the thing that I dislike about that, that phrase that you said that you are what you eat. Um, I mean, I get the, I get the, the meaning behind it and sure I maybe agree partially, but again, I think like we're giving, we're giving ourselves an identity based on what we eat, right? When we say that you are what you eat, meaning you're, 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 you're giving yourself an identity from food and how you eat versus who you are in Christ. And I think, again, that's just leveling up that food to that point of idolatry where it's taking the place of God in our lives and it shouldn't. So. Yeah. So when I think of eating with grace, I think of balance. I think of moderation. I think of healthy food. Um, and when I say healthy food, that doesn't disclude birthday cake. That doesn't disclude um, other favorite foods. In fact, I think it could include just about all foods. I, I can't think of any food that I don't eat because I like just about everything. So I can't think of any food I would exclude, but I can think of quantities of food I should exclude. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's where I think the whole um, all foods fit, you know, comes into here too. Um, I think there's a lot of messaging out there too and how that's a bad thing. But again, again, we've talked about it on this podcast, amount and frequency matter. Uh, I don't, I don't normally limit any foods in my diet <laughs> um, because of their nutritional, you know, value or in value. Um, but like you said, with the quantity, yeah, there's, there are some things that I choose to eat more of because they, they offer more nutrients for my body. There are things that I choose to eat less of because they are less nutritious for my body or offer no, no nutrition, but they're just there for pleasure. But again, um, those things I do more infrequently, but I still enjoy them. Right. And that's, that's what it comes down to. I think, I do think that our food needs to be um, not only nourishing, but it needs to be enjoyable as well. And if we are so rigid that we never allow for any joy in our lives through food, I think that's a really sad place to be as well. You know, one thing from my um, spiritual background that I grew up with were the spiritual disciplines. And it's things like prayer and reading the Bible and um you know, listening for God to talk, et cetera, like that. So when we talk about grace, you know, discipline comes in there too, because it's not, grace is not the absence of discipline, but discipline actually gives me more of a peace and a feeling of what God means when he extends grace to me. And I have a responsibility for discipline. So when I think about my food, I, I like to think about kind of a rhythm of my food that I'm not binging and purging or anything like that, but it's kind of this normal rhythm I don't even have to really think about. And um, it can all come back to a little bit of discipline, but that also doesn't mean that it's a rigid rule thing. So there's a nuance there. Mm -hmm. And do you have any ideas about 
this discipline versus grace and how they work together? Well, we just did a podcast. Um, I believe it was published in January on like balancing grace and discipline, because I do think that's something that people struggle with a lot. Um, because you're either you're either too set on rules and discipline, or again, you're, you fall into this grace category where you just have this license to do whatever you want. And I don't think either of them is a healthy place. Um, we do need to find that place in the middle where we have some guidelines around our eating. We have some general um, patterns around our eating that we know that are nourishing our body well so that we can um, give our body what it needs so that it can function to optimal levels. I think that's important. Um, but we also need to have the grace piece that allows us to have the birthday cake when we go to the birthday party and allows us to, to go out to eat and maybe eat French fries with our friends every once in a while. I mean, things like that, um, just for, for the social benefits, for the, uh, like I said, again, the joy that it brings to our lives. So, so we, we have to have both of those. And I think when people get to that place of eating with grace, like you said, Jackie, I love the way that you described it as rhythms. I 100% agree with that. And I think that is something that I actually do, um, you know, promote when I'm working with my clients is we want you to get to a place like eating with grace is getting to a place where you don't have to think about food anymore, or worry about food anymore, because it just becomes such a natural part of your life and your day that you just you wake up, you make your choices, and you just go through your patterns, you follow your hunger fullness for the most part, um, you eat on, on a regular schedule for the most part. Um, you have nourishing foods in your household and you, you learn to cook and have favorite recipes that you're eating for the most part. And that just becomes something that you do, um, rather than something that you have to plan and worry about and stress about all the time. That is just a normal part of your everyday. So, um, takeaway ideas here for, um, eating with grace is just sitting back and being able to think about what does it mean to extend grace to your family and your loved ones and friends in whatever place they are with eating and be able to extend that same grace to yourself. Um, so that would be one thing. And another thing is, is to really look and dig deep spiritually in what is what does God's grace mean for us? And that should flow through all the different areas of our lives. Okay. And then there's always the idea of um, praying scriptures. I like that idea. I think that brings a lot of grace into our lives because it helps us kind of figure out the nuances between this idea of grace and eating with grace and not eating too much or not eating too little. Right. Right. And for anyone who may be struggling with orthorexia, um, I would suggest reaching out and getting some help. If you feel like you're in that place, if you're, if you're so obsessed with eating healthy, that it's causing you anxiety and that you're scared of eating so-called unhealthy foods, um, I would definitely reach out and get some help. There are people who can help you uh, through that and so that you can find peace with food again. So, you know, if I wanted to describe what it would be like to eat with grace, I think of a newborn baby nursing, like they eat when they're hungry, they stop when they're full, they grow at this just amazing rate of, yeah. and, and there's no, no tension, like, 
you know, it just all kind of flows in life. And then we get to an age where we start having certain meaning with certain foods, or there's marketing messages that make us want this food for some other reason than just to uh, fulfill us. So I, I just love the idea of a, of a nursing baby and how God means for us to eat. Thank you for listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. It's been great to share this time with you. And we pray that you have a grace-filled day.